Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Good morning. I love Pastor Joy Madai. They are awesome. They are some of my favorite people. All right. Good morning, church. It is a privilege and honor to get to be with you guys. Uh, to be invited to, to, to share the word. And I know that God wants to do some, some amazing things in our lives today. If you guys have your Bibles, you're going to want to start opening them up. to We're going to be reading from the book of Romans chapter 12. If you want a chapter in the Bible that is just kind of the, the thesis on how to live a Christian life, uh, read Romans chapter 12. That's your homework this week. A beautiful, one of my favorite chapters in the word of God. And we're going to be in verses 9... 10, and then we're going to jump over to verse 18. Uh, once again, I just want to thank, thank our pastor, Pastor Josh, uh, for, for this opportunity. Thank God. It's always a, a privilege and an honor and a responsibility to get to share the word. And I want to thank every single one of you guys uh, for being here, to, for coming out on a Sunday morning. Uh, it's beautiful. I think you made the best choice. I think this is the best place to be in North County. Amen. Um, love it here. And, and I'm glad that you guys made the effort to, to be here and to hear what God has for us today. If you guys uh, noticed, the last three weeks, we've been in this series called Relationship Rehab. And we've really been focusing on getting ourselves in the right place so that we can have healthy relationships. And it, it's been great stuff. And it just so happens that I was reading this book uh, by a, a speaker and marriage counselor. His name is Jimmy Evans. And he was talking about how oftentimes people will come and they'll ask him for marriage counseling. And what they're really asking is, hey, can you fix my spouse? You know, my spouse has some issues. I need you to fix them. And, and so he'll start the marriage counseling. And then once he starts explaining that it takes both partners changing and both partners making adjustments uh, so that the relationship could be better, that a lot of the time, the person who asked for the counseling, the person who, who, who originally uh, said that they needed it, will be the first one to quit. They'll be the first one to walk away because it didn't go through their mind that they might actually need to fix something as well. So now that we've been here for three weeks, I think uh, all of us can, my prayer is that we come with the, with the humility, uh, with the willingness to accept that change starts with me and that we all need to do our part to have better relationships. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, Romans 12, verse 9 says, and you can follow up here if you want to, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Let's pray one more time. Father, we come before you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the series Thank you because I know you've been working. You've been working in our lives. You've been working in our hearts. And one more time, Lord, we come before you asking that you speak to us. Asking, Lord, that you teach us, Lord, how to have the relationships that you created us to have. So let me not get in your way today, Lord. Speak to us your word and teach every single one of us. Let us be receptive to what you have for us. In Jesus' name, 
Amen, amen. All right, we have a lot to cover today. So before you have a seat, turn to somebody and tell them, as the kids say nowadays, let's go. Before we get too far into this, I, I saw this e-card the other day online, a little, a little meme, and I just I had to share it with you guys. Um, it says, the only constant in all your failed relationships is you. Ouch. Like, it hurts, but it's not wrong. Uh, sometimes that's, that's the case. Uh, so, but hopefully we can, we can help you out with that uh, today. So, so my title for today is Relationship Tune-Up. Relationship tune-up. I'm going to do a little, a little oil change. Uh, we, only have, we only have 30 minutes, so this is like, like when you go to Jiffy Lube and you go through the drive-thru, uh, it's going to be like that. We're going to try to cover a lot in just 30 minutes, and some of you already, you're thinking, Pastor Sam, I, I don't need a tune-up. I need a new engine. I need a new transmission. I need an overhaul. Well, okay, you're going you're gonna to have to talk to a mechanic after church because uh, I can't do it all in 30 minutes. Uh, but but we're gonna cover we're gonna cover some good stuff, okay? And and I know that when we talk we think February, uh, and we talk about we mention the just even the word relationships right away we think husband and wife we think marriage, and and yes I think a lot of what we're gonna talk today applies to marriages. But whatever stage of life that you're in, if you're dating, if you're a parent, if you're a kid, if you live with your parents, if you live with a roommate, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your employees. I think that we could all glean some good information today, uh, so I encourage you to be, be attentive. I want you to think of this. Uh, you know how when you go to the mechanic, they do like a, a, a different inspection on your car? So today is a 15-point a inspection, and I'm going to throw in biblical principles for free, free of charge. That's complimentary. <laughs> a 15-point relationship inspection with biblical principles, right? And every one of these could probably be a message all of its own, but February doesn't have 15 weeks, so I'm going to throw all the fireworks at you at, at once, as Pastor Joe said. I uh, hope you're ready. If you have your notes, if you have your, your pen or pencil, uh, if you want to just take pictures of the slides with your, with your phone, that works as well. Uh, if you've been here all three weeks previously, then I'm giving you permission. If something applies more to your partner, you can go ahead and nudge them. You paid the price. You got the you laid the foundation. Now, okay, okay that, that one was for you. That one was for you. Okay, so without further ado, uh, let's go. Let's go. I'm going uh, to be dropping a lot of truth bombs. It's going to be like World War II in here, but I hope you guys are ready. All right, so we're actually going to start with a, a quick little review, the first three steps, kind of review what we've been covering the last few weeks. Three weeks ago, Pastor Josh had an amazing message um, where he taught us that change begins with me, right? Jesus said, take, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye, right? So a lot of times we want other people to change, but Jesus commands us to start with ourselves. So we need to be proactive. We need to be willing to initiate the change. We need to be willing to be the catalyst for change. We need to take personal responsibility, Instead of automatically casting blame, oh, once they change, then our relationship will be better. No, to say, hey, what can I do from my side? What can do on my part to make this relationship start moving in the direction that I want it to move? All right, then two weeks ago, 
we were talking about loving more like Jesus. So that's number two. Love more like Jesus. Jesus said, love as I have loved you. And there has never been a greater example on how we're supposed to love one another than Jesus. Right? And we learned that self-centered love is the problem, not the solution. Sacrificial, selfless love is what truly builds and heals relationships. And yes, we realize that we are not perfect, but we could still work at being a little bit more like Jesus every day, at loving a little more like Jesus every day in every one of our relationships. And then last week, we were so blessed to have Pastor Chu drive up, and he had an amazing message. He was focusing it on the life of Solomon. And he taught us to not let the wrong influences lead us astray. So that's point number three. Don't let the wrong influences lead you astray. The Bible tells us that Solomon had a thousand influencers that he allowed into his bedchamber, that he allowed into his private space, that he allowed into his room. And it says, and they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God. So please remember that just because somebody wants to give you their two cents doesn't mean that you have to put it in your piggy bank. Be very, very careful who you listen to. And I was thinking about this. 1,000, uh, you know, wives and concubines. Um, 1,000 influencers vying for your attention in your bedroom. And then I'm like, wait a second. We go to bed and we have this right next to us on the bed. And some of us have a TV in our room. We have the internet. We have the 24-hour news cycle, the political pundits, the influencers, the bloggers, the internet posts. He had 1,000. We probably have 10,000 influencers trying to vie for our attention, trying to influence how we live our life. Okay, so please, please remember that in a world where everybody's trying to be an influencer, you have to be very careful who you allow yourself to be influenced by. And that doesn't mean that all influencers are bad. <clears throat> that brings us to me to my next point. You need people who will sit with you, give you good advice, guide you, and build you up. So number four says, find the right influencers. Solomon himself said, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Look, we all go through hard times. We all go through challenges. We all go through obstacles. But you don't have to do it alone. There are people that want to help you. There are people that are going to give you good advice, that want to see you be successful. Thankfully, we're a church where you don't have to do it alone. Thankfully, I don't know about you. Am I the only one that has ever had to put the, the pause button on the argument in the parking lot? Talk, keep going after church. Uh, you know, no, you don't have to. You can come with your issues. And it's okay because we all know that we all struggle. We all know that we all face challenges. And it's okay. And God never wanted us to do it all by ourselves. He has provided a community to help lift each other up. The Bible doesn't say that you're not going to fall. It says that blessed is the man that has someone with him when he does fall so somebody can help pick him up. But be careful that you find the right ones. Don't go through your three-time divorced co-worker. Don't go to your mother-in-law. I'm sure she's great, but you don't want her in the middle of your marriage. You have to go to the right people. So I'm going to give you my three requirements for a good counselor. Okay, number one, they have to be godly. 
God-fearing, God-centered. Number two, they have to be wise. Look for somebody with wisdom. And number three, they have to be neutral in that situation. Somebody who's going to give you an unbiased, neutral opinion. Godly, wise, and neutral. All right? And if you're looking for some people, if you're looking for some, some support, man, we have some amazing connect groups this season. We are excited. We have so many. We've got more than we've ever had before. We have some great connect groups. we got one on Monday night. we got one in, on Wednesday night. we got one all the way in Valley Center now. We are excited. We have parenting connect groups. We have family connect groups. There is a lot of help, and there is a lot of support available. I love what uh, Pastor JP uh, said the other day at the revival service. If you remember, he said, who you sit with shows what your appetites are. So find some people to sit with. Find some tables to sit at that is going to feed you, that's going to feed your relationships, your marriage, your parenting, your friendships, right? As the saying goes, whatever you feed grows Whatever you starve dies. So make sure that you're feeding what you want to see grow. I mean, the number one, the number one place for relationship advice, as you can tell from all my 15 points, is right here, the Word of God. But don't be afraid of of going with your spouse, with your boyfriend, girlfriend, fiancé, and start reading some books. Start educating yourself. Just last night I was, um, just quickly, I didn't even think of this until last night. I went to my bookshelf And I just have a stack of marriage books and relationship books that my wife and I have read together. Because it takes hard work. It takes feeding it, right? You know what they say? The grass is always greener where you water it. So water your relationships if you want to see them be successful. Look, thank God. I I am very grateful to God that I feel I have an amazing marriage. Uh, We have a healthy, thriving marriage. But it has nothing to do with me being a pastor. It has nothing to do with my wife being a saint. She's not a saint. We're not saints, you know. Uh, It has to do with the fact that we work at it. And yes, we have discussions. We have arguments. But we learn and we feed our marriage. And thank God we've made it this far. And we're going to continue to work on it so that we can continue moving forward. Okay. Speaking of taking care of things, number five, take good care of yourself. This one, Pastor Josh gave me this one. Such an important one. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, but you can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself first. We need to start taking care of ourselves, all right? You can't love someone if you don't love yourself, if we don't treat ourselves as children of God, as God's creatures that who has, and God created us as, a, as his masterpiece, the Bible says, and we have a purpose and we have a calling. And too many times we're caught up in the negative self-talk and we put ourselves down and we hold ourselves to unmeetable standards and we're disappointed and we're just talking to ourselves negatively and we don't understand why we have messed up relationships. It's because we're messed up towards ourselves. So we have to treat ourselves with love. And that could be a whole other message. Maybe in May I think would be a good time to talk about treating ourselves well. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. You do have to take care of yourself. Number six, don't idolize your partner. One of the original Ten Commandments said, you shall have no other gods before me. I think Pastor Josh mentioned a few weeks ago that sometimes we get married thinking that marriage is going to fix all our problems, thinking that we found just the right person, all sent directly from heaven, but they're not. They're human. A Christian married to another Christian is still a human married to another human. 
And no relationship is going to be a substitute for your relationship with God. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Your spouse is not your Lord and Savior. Nobody, your best friend is not your Lord and Savior. Nobody else can do what only Jesus can do in your life. That being said, remember that they're human and remember to have some grace. Grace with yourself and grace with your partner. Be patient. They're going to make mistakes. They're not going to be perfect. They're going to fail you sometimes. They're not going to do everything right all the time. I'm not. Your partner is not. Our pastor is not. If you see Pastor Josh at the mall and he doesn't run over to say hi to you, there's no reason to get all butthurt. No reason. Oh, I'm moving churches because pastor didn't say hi to me at the mall. No. No, pastor is human. We're all humans. Let's have grace one with another. All right? Number seven. Remember that relationships are a fight. Relationships are a fight. Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight. So I want you to, to turn to your neighbor, or turn to your, if your spouse is here, or your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or fiance is here, turn to them and tell them, I'm in a fight with you, but we're on the same team. Okay. That second part is important. Because some of us, we're fighting the bad fight. We're fighting the wrong fight. We're fighting against our spouse. We're fighting against our kids instead of fighting on the same team as them. God has called us to fight, but to fight alongside with them, not against them. The Bible says, you know, that, that, that one will take down a, a thousand and two will take down ten thousand. If you guys are united in the way that you fight, your partner is not the enemy. Your kids are are not the enemy, right? The Bible says a house divided against itself will not stand. So instead of fighting against each other, join together and fight the obstacle, fight the challenge, fight the problem, address the problem, knowing that you're in it for both of you to win, right? Pastor Chu was talking about this, that a lot of the times you can win the battle, but you're going to lose the war, right? If that's how you approach your marriage as a fight against each other, you're fighting the wrong way, right? Uh, uh, Stephen and Sean Covey, they're, they're a father and son, and they wrote uh, the book, the, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and then they, his, his son wrote one for kids, uh, for teens. And one of their principles of being effective and being successful in life is to think win-win, not win-lose, not lose-win. And if we approach our relationships that way, and we go, hey, when, when you win, we both win. When I win, we both win. And the only way that this relationship is going to thrive is if we find a way for both of us to win. Because when your spouse loses, you lose. When your kids lose, you lose. So you have to go, hey, what can we do so that we can all be successful? All right, number eight. And if you want to be successful, this one's hard. Take the time to do things right. Oh, this could be applied in so many different ways. Galatians tells us, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. What did Pastor Tree say last week? For everything there is a season, a time for everything under the sun. And we can go to two extremes. We could try to rush things when it's not the right time, and we could try, or we can wait too long, and then we missed our chance. Guys, you might need to ask her out this week. I don't know. Okay, who that's for. Okay, but do 
Good things take time and take the time to do things right. You have to find the right balance. You need to invest time into relationships, right? One of these books here is The Five Love Languages. And one of the love languages is quality time, which is great. And you know you're going to be spending time with your loved one. But I was thinking that the other four, guess what? They also take time. They're not quality time per se, but if you want to do acts of service, if you want words of encouragement, if you want all these other things, you need to invest the time. And that means that you have to have healthy boundaries and you have to set a schedule and have parameters, right? Because too many times we get overwhelmed by what's urgent and we forget what's important. So you need to make time for your relationship. You need to make time. My wife and I, we will do, you know, almost anything every week to have at least one date night. And yes, it's a sacrifice. And yes, it requires saying no to things. But we're willing to do it. Why? Because we know that good things take time. But also, don't rush things. If you've ever been into gardening, everything has its season, right? You can't force a flower to grow any faster. And I'll just put more water. I'll just put more fertilizer. And it'll die because you're rushing it. So make sure that you take the appropriate time that you need. Uh, I like what uh, Pastor Tommy Nelson, I heard him say, he said, the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. So give things their time. And then when that time is right, make that commitment, make that investment, and make it happen. Number nine, remember that actions speak louder than words. First John tells us, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Actions speak louder than words. Look, I don't know about you, but I mess up a lot in marriage. All right, I make a lot of mistakes. So I've gotten pretty good at apologizing. I'm sorry, my love. Uh, but my wife has to tell me sometimes, look, I don't want your apology. I want you to change. I want you to stop making the same mistakes over and over or the same thing over and over. I want to see the action, right? Action speaks louder than words. In fact, a lot of times we say, oh, time heals all wounds. No, that's not true. Time doesn't heal all wounds. Actions heal wounds, right? Taking care of it, giving it treatment, putting, you know, the medicine that it needs. That's what's going to heal it. So action speaks louder than time. You cannot just wait for something to take care of itself. You know what happens to a wound if you don't heal it? It doesn't heal. It festers. It gets infected. And a lot of times, guys, if I just don't talk about it, maybe tomorrow she'll wake up in a better mood. Maybe everything. No, no, girls don't work that way. She's going to hold. It'll be worse tomorrow, guys. Address it. Take care of the issue. Do not let it get infected. Do not let it fester. Time doesn't heal all wounds. Your actions heal all wounds. So do something about it. Number 10, embrace your partner's uniqueness. The Bible tells us, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. He didn't make every single body part the same. Each one of us is unique. So please stop trying to get your partner to fit into your mold. Stop looking at your partner like they're weird just because they don't think exactly the same way that you think. 
My wife will do this sometimes. She'll just look at me. I'll say something. I'll do something. And she will look at me with this face of disbelief like I am from another planet. But I am. Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. It's the name of the book, right? Yes, we are different, but we're supposed to be different. That is not a bad thing, right? It's good. God made us different so that we can help. We can be each other's compliments, right? I'm like in teacher mode today with all these things. Uh, So a complementary angle is the angle that completes an angle and makes it a right angle. So if you want to have a right relationship, you need your complement, not your twin. You need, in fact, the book I was reading by Jimmy Evans is about learning your own strengths, your spouse's strengths, and then learn your weaknesses and their weaknesses so that you guys can complement each other and you can have grace with each other and you guys can work together. It's good that you're not the same. I like what the great philosopher and boxer Rocky Balboa said. Um, They asked him why he liked the girl that he liked. And he said, well, you know, she's got gaps. I got gaps. Together, we fill gaps. That's deep for a boxing movie. But some of the best marriage advice I ever heard. But it's true. You're there to fill each other's gaps. So be patient with each other and embrace and accept that God made them special so, because it's what you needed to complete you. Number 11, split the load. The Bible says bear each other's burdens. Guys, if you want to have a healthy relationship with whoever it is, learn to serve each other. The Bible says it is better to give than to receive. But you know what I've learned? Whether it's with your giving at church or your giving in a relationship, the more that you put into a relationship, the more that you invest, the more that you are willing to give, the more that you're going to get out of it. So if you want your relationship to be fruitful, you're the one that has to put into it. Invest, give, serve your spouse. Don't think of yourself higher than your spouse. Each one of us has to do our part. And I know that that's hard because I know that we live in a world where we, sometimes a lot of the times both of us work, where we have kids. Some of us have too many kids. Some of us have too many responsibilities. We're on the dream team. We're on the committee. We're involved here. We're involved there. But we need to take some time and we need to serve each other and we need to share the burden, right? The Bible talks about being equally yoked. That's when you put two animals to plow a field. You know what happens if you yoke two animals together, but only one of them does the work? What happens? It goes out of line. It goes the way that it shouldn't go. They both have to go together to get that line straight. That's what we need to do as a couple. Work together. Work as a team. Number 12. Huge. Have healthy communication. Healthy communication is the key to any healthy relationship. I like how the message puts Matthew 18. Jesus says, if a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. Ladies, I hate to break it to you, but you need to know this. Men cannot read minds. We do not have that superpower. Amen, guys? I don't know how you do it, but I've seen you like sitting across the table from each other, ladies, and you just like wink or you make a sign, and then the other girl knows exactly what you're talking about. That does that. My wife could do this all day, and it is not going to work. She needs to explain to me. This is how, and sometimes more than once, over and over. It's been a week, baby. You got to explain it to me again, 
okay, we cannot read minds. We are not <laughs> mind readers. So you need to be open and honest with each other. The health of your relationship is directly proportional to the health of your communication, how open and honest you are with each other, and how you face real problems. Don't hold on to things. Talk about them. And then, guys, when she talks to you about them, acknowledge how she's feeling. Don't tell her why she's wrong. Don't tell her how she's mistaken. Acknowledge that if she's feeling that way, it's for a reason. Even if you don't understand it, even if you don't see it, even if you don't get it, respect her enough to go, wow, I didn't know you were feeling that way. Hey, what can we do to make this better? Work together. Listen, guys, really listen. The Bible says be slow to speak, quick to listen. Don't let your emotions get the best of you. Don't move right away to blaming. But let's find a solution together, and that only happens through good communication. Thirteen. All right, we're down to the home stretch. Treat each others as equal. Treat each other as equals. Jesus said, this is the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. How do you want to be treated? How do you want people to talk to you? Romans 12 says, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Let's, let, let's talk to each other without being condescending, without being pe patronizing, patronizing. Let's treat each other with respect. Like, my wife is amazing. She is so much wiser than I. She has her master's. She, I don't even have my master's. She is just an amazing, amazing woman. But in her humility, she still talks to me like I'm her equal. Out of respect. Ladies, that is important. I know, I know that 99% of you are better than your husbands. Let's just be honest. But treat them as equals. Treat them with respect. Because the moment you start talking down to a guy, he's not listening anymore. He's just, how am I going to defend myself? How am I going to put my guard up? Oh, she's attacking. No, no, no. Come, talk to them at, at their level. Look, even if, if you have kids, psychologists tell us, when you talk to a kid and you talk to them like this, they're not listening to you. You're just imposing yourself on them. What do they say? They say, get down. Get down to their eye level. Meet them where they are, and then you can pick them up. That's how we need to talk to each other. So let's be patient and let's be respectful with each other. Ladies, these guys, they're looking, they're looking to be validated. They're looking for somebody that is going to respect them. All right? All right, number 14. Have the right priorities. Have the, get your priorities in the right place. What did Jesus say? First of all, he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be added unto you. If you put the first things first, the priorities where they need to be, then everything else is going to fall into place. Back to the, the book on the, on the seven habits of highly effective people, right? If you really want to go somewhere, habit number two says you have to know what that goal is. You have to know where you're trying to get. And then habit number three says, hey, and then put your priorities in order. Put the first things first so that you can get there. Too often we're distracted and we lose track of what really, really matters. So especially in relationships, listen to this, especially in relationships, sometimes we have the wrong priorities. And if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a believer, the number one priority in your relationship, I got that from this book, Timothy Keller's The Meaning of Marriage book. He says, 
the number one priority, your goal in every relationship, your marriage, your friends, your kids, whatever it is, is to help each other fulfill your potential in Christ. That should be our number one goal. In any relationship that you are in, you need to ask yourself, am I helping this person get closer to the plan that God has for their lives, to their purpose and their calling and their potential in Christ? Or am I pushing them away or getting in the way of them getting closer to the plan and the purpose that God has created them for? That needs to be our number one priority. And if you do that, and if you put your spouse in the place they belong, your kids in the place that they belong, then your relationships and your marriages are going to be amazing. Last one. We made it. Last one. And this is kind of my conclusion. Be committed. Be committed. Make a commitment. What did you say at the altar? Till death do us part. My wife knows that the only way that she's going to get out of this is death. Right? We're in this forever. And it takes work. It's not easy. But you know why you make that solemn oath before God and before those witnesses? Because there's going to be times where you feel like quitting. There's going to be times where you feel like, I can't do this anymore. But you need to stick with it. You need to be committed. You need to be willing to work at it. You guys remember that old math movie, Stand and Deliver? I still watch it with my, with my students every year. Great movie. It's, it's a little old, though. Some of you are it's older than most of you in here. Um, but they, they told him he was working with a bunch of, of poor, low-income kids, you know, at Garfield High School in, in L.A., and they didn't have everything that it took to be successful. And he said, you don't need other stuff. All you need is ganas. All you need is the desire, the willingness. And if you're willing to do anything to make it happen, if you're willing to not let anything stand in your way, to overcome every obstacle, to sacrifice whatever you need to sacrifice, then you will be successful. Not just in math, but in life, in relationships. That's the lesson, right? The Bible says, run the race to win. Not just run the race, but run the race to win as a spouse, as a parent, as a brother, as a sister, as a child, as a follower of Jesus, as a friend. Run the race to win. Too many times I hear this attitude of, oh, I, I don't know if it's going to work out, Sam. I don't know. I, these kids, they don't listen. Oh, my spouse, I, I, don't think, I don't think it's working. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if this relationship, etc., etc. Look, I get it. I get it that a lot of times we don't know, but that's not the right mentality. That's not the mentality we need to have. What if instead you said, God, look, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't have all the answers, but I'm putting my trust in you, and I'm going to believe that you know the plans that you have for me, that you have a future and a hope for me. I'm going to believe that you know what's best, and I'm going to work on this marriage with all of my heart. I'm going to work on my kids with all of my heart. I'm going to do my absolute best, and I'm going to trust that you're going to do the rest. And I know that in Jesus' name, I'm going to make it through. We're going to be successful, and I'm going to have the relationships that you created me to have in this world. That needs to be our mindset. That needs to be our philosophy. Because at the end of the day, I can't fix your relationships. Pastor Josh cannot fix your relationships. The best marriage counselor in the world cannot fix your relationships unless you're willing to do your part. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Look, I get it. I get it. From the beginning of this message, some of you were already thinking, I need more than a tune-up. 
30 minutes is not going to fix all my problems. And you're absolutely right. And you could go back and listen to this message 10 more times. And it's still not going to fix everything. Because sometimes a Band-Aid is not enough when what you really need is open heart surgery. And some of you are in that place. Some of you are in that state where your marriage needs more than a Band-Aid. Where your relationships need more than first aid. And look, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a heart surgeon, I'm not even a licensed therapist. But here's the thing, if you're willing to commit, if you're willing to put in the work, if you're willing to do your best and let God do the rest, to put it in God's hands, for some of you, God is the last and the only hope. But God is the only one that could do it. God can fix your broken relationships. But you have to do your part. We say in Spanish, we have the saying, and I'll translate it a little bit. It says, you put your trust in God's hands, but you pick up the tools in your own hands. We have to work together. We have to do our part. But doing that, God can work miracles. God can do something amazing. And, 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 and thank God that you're at a church that cares about you. Thank God that you're at a church that doesn't expect you to walk in through those doors, doors perfect. If you're going through problems, if you're going through an issue, we are here for you. Talk to one of our pastors. Maybe we're not the person that's got the right answers, but we could probably direct you to somebody who, who can. We can guide you. We can pray for you. So can you allow me to just pray for you right now? Can we bow our heads right there where we are? If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.